Okay, hey guys, welcome to Consume, a podcast by me, Bruno Olivier, where I talk about all the things I consume with the main framework being my watch a movie every day challenge for 2021. Uh, and it's also like my daily diary. Today is Friday. It's an okay day. Fucking hot in Los Angeles. Got up into the 90s today, which means our apartment is still hot right now at 11.30 p.m., even though it's 75 degrees outside. It's great. Uh... Not much else exciting happened today. I got our rent money from the state of California, the COVID-19 Rent Relief Fund. So that's pretty cool. Um, Three months of rent covered. And uh, I finished reading Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol today from the 80s. No, I I didn't enjoy it. It was fine. There's some fun stuff in there. But like 85% of it is just Grant Morrison doing his fucking thing where you can tell he was just jerking off while he was writing and like tripping on drugs and like his eyes rolling in the back of his head as he like spouted off his like nonsense beliefs about the metaphysics of reality so while like weird beings from alternate planes fight in weird ways and then robot man is just off to the side being like oh my god what's happening that's that's basically the whole fucking series and like there's some like i said there's some okay stuff in there the the beard hunter issue is good once he got towards the end of the series with like the whole candle maker fight uh where it was like the characters were actually doing stuff to fight and not just like having other characters like go into trances and figure out riddles or some shit uh that was actually good but yeah i don't know not my favorite uh thankfully the show is so much better or more enjoyable i should say i still gotta read the uh the more modern doom patrol comics that were written by the guy from my chemical romance hopefully i like i'll like those better Anyways, today's movie, first movie of the week, uh, me and Dexter, uh, my brother, watched uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings since it became available on Disney Plus today and we hadn't got a chance to go to the theaters to watch it. Uh, And this is, it's fun. It's a good time. It's pretty much exactly what I wanted and expected from this movie, which is just like a solid enough Shang-Chi story with some cool fights and, you know, and some decent performances. Like, uh, Simu Liu as Shang-Chi was pretty good. F- felt instantly, uh, relatable. Aquafina, I have my problem. I don't really care for Aquafina as a performer in general, but she was fine in this. Uh, Shang-Chi's sister, Zhu Jialing. I don't know if I got the pronunciation right on that. And her actual name, I will butcher, uh, Menger Zhang. She was great. I liked her. Um, their dad, who was like the bad guy, uh, Tony Leung. He was great. Really liked him. And then they brought back Ben Kingsley as his uh, fake Mandarin character, the like buffoon actor from Iron Man 3. And he was fun to see again. Uh, it's nice nice when he was on screen. There's also a part where Abomination shows up, who's like a Hulk villain. And he's from, he was in the Incredible Hulk movie, the one with Edward Norton that's still technically MCU canon, but nobody talks about it. And Abomination in this movie was actually voiced by Tim Roth, who played him in that movie, which I really liked. You can't really tell while you're watching it. I was hoping he would revert back to human form so we could see Tim Roth, which maybe we'll get in that She-Hulk show, but I really like Tim Roth, so it's nice that he got some work for this. And yeah, the story is like, it's kind of, it's not exactly like the comic book version, but that's fine because nobody really knows the comic book version of Shang-Chi's story. Uh, It's a pretty good version of it, you know? He's the son of the leader of the Ten Rings, 
his dad has been like kept alive for a thousand years by the ten rings that are like giving him power and they're like forearm rings like martial artists use to like strengthen their arms and shit instead of like finger rings which i feel like is a good change uh from the comics so his dad's like the seemingly immortal leader of like a crime syndicate and his mom is from talo which is like a mythical city that you can't it's like in an alternate dimension, kind of like Kunlun from Iron Fist, but it's like one of the other seven heavenly cities, I think. Maybe not. Um, and so, like, they have, like, mythical powers, and I don't know why I'm trying to explain it. The mom dies. Shang-Chi wants to, like, they think their mom might be alive, so they have to go to the land, but they have to stop their dad, who is, like, being driven insane by the Ten Rings. Whatever. There's a whole lot of stuff. It's not actually complicated, but I don't need to explain it. And, yeah, there's some cool fights. Like I said, there's a whole fight on, like, a bus. And as it's like craning down hills in San Francisco at the beginning, that's pretty sweet. And there's only a couple times where the CG like makes you roll your eyes a little bit. And, you know, even though I prefer like when they do more practical stuff, I feel like this movie did a good job of like using the CG, but not making it look muddy and uh, indecipherable. Like even the like big final fight, which has like two fucking giant dragons and fighting in like water and smoke and like a bunch of different people fighting each other. The like colors were distinct enough. It all felt like pretty clear uh but yeah i don't know i had a fun time uh like i said exactly what i expected from shang chi and the legend of the ten rings so four stars which you know take that with a grain of salt maybe because i am a big sucker for all of this mcu bullshit it's funny like i immediately because these are like characters that i know and like love <laughs> and have known for years i like immediately get emotional when stuff happens to them like i immediately felt connected to like shang chi and like got like choked up whenever they talked about like his family and stuff and it was only like 15 minutes into the movie <sighs> but you know whatever i like this mcu stuff i'm excited they announced a bunch of shit today's like disney plus day so they like showed sneak peeks and announced a bunch of stuff coming up like the she hulk show looks fucking pretty sweet and hopefully that has abomination and tim roth in it that would be sweet uh there's gonna be a new Spider-Man cartoon that's design being character designed by this artist that I really like. So that's gonna be fun. They're bringing back X-Men 97 for some reason. Don't really, that's cool. Hopefully those episodes are <laughs> the modern ones uh, are a little easier to watch than the old ones because they're kind of slow and awful now. Uh, we got the Hawkeye show coming out in two weeks. And probably later this week, me and Dexter are going to try to go see Eternals. Uh, you know, a lot of superhero bullshit to look forward to. Anyways, that's enough for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey guys. It is Saturday. Didn't really do anything today. Just a lot of reading. <laughs> I'm finally making a dent in my, uh, I have a whole bookshelf, like a three-level bookshelf that is all books that I bought that I haven't read yet and like one of the shelves is just packed full of comics like trade paperbacks i'm finally making a dent in it it's not as uh tightly packed anymore so that's exciting for me other than that today was just hot kind of annoying i tried to watch um the there was a deathmatch tournament today the nick gage invitational but gcw everything they do sucks and is boring now so i fell asleep and then like i slept for like an hour on the couch and then i woke up and then like the AEW pay-per-view was on which sounds like it was fine uh but i just couldn't bring myself to try and care about wrestling today so i watched today's movie <laughs> and uh this is another one that i'm watching from the beginning of uh and today's movie is another um one from the beginning of the action boys podcast backlog so i can listen to their old episodes uh so i watched hard to kill 
with Steven Seagal and Kelly LeBrock, and it it sucked. <laughs> this movie uh, is rough. It is just like mind-numbingly dumb, and I don't know. It was so hard to pay attention. This is like one of the movies that I've paused during the most this year. It took me a while to get through. It's only a 90-minute movie, but it maybe took me three hours because I kept pausing it like to like look at my computer, and I even paused at one point because I got bored enough that I wanted to get snacks, so I went to 7-Eleven. Uh, I didn't even like parts where one time I tried to rewind over a part that I missed, uh, but I didn't even do that for some scenes, and I don't think I missed out. Like, it, Maybe it's not even fair for me to review this with how <laughs> little I paid attention to it, but it's just... It's just a ridiculous movie, and Steven Seagal, I did not, I, this might have been the first actual Steven Seagal movie that I've watched, and I just have no nostalgia for him, he's just such a weirdo, and I only know him as like a joke on the internet, and then I listened to the, uh, there's a really good episode about him on Behind the Bastards uh, podcast with Robert Evans, um, which I, I highly recommend going to listen to that one, but he is like a horrible human being, and he always was. It's not like he got rich and then like famous and then became a, uh, a horrible weirdo. He was always like a backstabbing, lying, abusive weirdo. Um, so it's just like hard to watch, and it's I just can't believe anybody ever took him seriously. So this movie, he plays a cop in L.A which they drive home by making every him and every cop really uh, concerned about the Oscars. Because that's how you know someone lives in L.A. if they really care about the Oscars. Um, so in 1983, uh, he's like filming, he's like staking out a deal between the mob and this like shadowy figure who turns out to be a senator. And he gets caught during it because he makes a noise when he's fucking around with his tape recorder <laughs> and this causes he gives his partner information but some crooked cops overhear him and the crooked cops are working with the senator and the mob and so they go to kill his family and him and his family they like pump him full of like shotgun rounds kill his wife thinks they killed his kid they bring him to the hospital where he dies but then they bring him back and he's in a coma but like his one friend in the police force his friend who like loves him way too much um and just talks about how he's the best goddamn cop I've ever known and the best man I've ever known. Because uh, Steven Seagal definitely made them write in uh, a bunch of compliments about him to make him seem like the best person alive. So then he's just, he's in a coma for seven years as a John Doe. And this is uh, what he, um, why it's called Hard to Kill. Because, you know, he's in this coma seven years, he wakes up, and then like somehow immediately everybody knows that he's woken up and they're trying to kill him, but his like muscles are atrophied, so he needs like, the hot nurse to help him who's played by kelly lebrock who was also his wife at the time they give her some like wild lines too whenever he's uh she's talking to him while he's still in the coma <laughs> she like at one point she like really wants him to wake up and at one point she like lifts up his sheet and makes a comment about how big his dick is and hopes he wakes up soon because steven seagal confirmed shower uh just real weird and she even like makes a joke like says to him like do you want a little pussy and then it takes a kitten out of nowhere and puts a kitten on his head which maybe that's supposed to help coma patients i don't know seems like they just wanted to make a bad joke and have her say the word pussy uh so they get out of the hospital and like they have to go into hiding and thankfully she just happened to be house sitting uh this nice house in ojai for this like rich doctor who has like a japanese style like meditation uh room and like a japanese garden so that he has a semi-appropriate place for him to do his training montage of getting his strength back where he uses 
meditation and acupuncture and like Jap and Chinese herbs herbs because he was like an army brat who grew up in, uh, in China and so he had to like learn how to fight to protect himself so he went to someone to learn kung fu but the person he went to go learn from was like to be a real like strong man you must learn how to heal so he also knows like acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine and stuff just real weird <laughs> we have to like establish that he's like this amazing cop with this like fucking border with this like amazing <laughs> like rich cultural history that's not his own uh and yeah and then there's a whole like overly convoluted plot of him like trying to figure out who it was on the tape because he doesn't know and then like dealing with these cops and they all like attack him with like fucking machine guns all the time and then finding out that his son didn't actually die his like friend has been like adopted him and like said that it was like some other kid acting like his actual son died i don't know it's just a lot and it's stupid it's very stupid <laughs> one part at the end like he gets to like the senator's house to like finally take him down is this big mansion it's oh apparently also the mansion that the big lebowski lived in and the big lebowski uh or they used it for some of those shots whatever um so he gets there and he like takes like a room of like henchmen and he kills the guy who killed his wife with a pull cue by like stabbing him with like the blunt end of the pull cube cue it seemed like into his throat but not like through his mouth he just like punctured the skin with it real brutal and then like there's one guy who's still alive who because i was barely paying attention i couldn't remember if he was even uh, why he was significant because like steven seagal then like turns into a fucking batman villain or something and he like kills all these guys and then like, we cut to this other guy and he goes to the restroom and like he goes to like lift up the toilet seat and it Steven Seagal has written in like white out on the bottom of this black toilet seat. It says, uh, anticipation of death is worse than death itself. And so this like freaks the guy out and he like goes into the hallway and it says, you're next in big letters. And then like the guy finds the room with all the other henchmen dead. And then finally Steven Seagal finds and kills this guy. It's just such a weird choice to have him all of a sudden become <laughs> like leaving clues and shit. But I don't know. They get the senator, he wins, and then him, the hot nurse, and his son that he's finally meeting again after seven years live happily ever after. Um, yeah, real stupid. Hard to kill. Only two stars for me. I I want to say one, but I'll give it two because, like, I was expecting it to be bad. And there is, like, it is mildly amusing with how ridiculous some of it is. And, like, some of the lines. Like, one point, like, the bad guy, the senator, is, like, his line is, like, you can take that to the bank. <laughs> and Stephen Skull says, I'll take you to the bank. The blood bank. And he doesn't even, he says this to the TV. It's not even, like, to the guy. It's just to himself for our benefit. Yeah, not looking forward to watching more Seagal movies, but I'm going to have to if I'm going to be a completist about this Action Boys podcast backlog. Anyways, that's it for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey guys. It is Sunday. Did not do anything today. First, uh, first day in a while, I guess. Didn't leave the house at all. Didn't do anything. And just kind of sat in my bed and read all day trying to work through that shelf of comics that i was talking about kind of hard i was feeling just like blah it was hard to like focus on anything which you know probably because i didn't have any physical activity today maybe if i went on a walk it would have felt better but <laughs> i didn't want to do that also realize that i'm a little too late on that library school thing at least for the pasadena city college version the f like it would only take me like two semesters to get through it but i would have had to start in the fall 
so I'd have to wait, which, you know, not the worst thing in the world, just unfortunate, a little bit of a bummer. Also, my food stamps haven't <laughs> refilled, and that's stressing me out. Whatever. Um, oh, we scheduled, we're going to get our booster shots on Tuesday, so that's exciting. I'm expecting to feel like absolute shit on Wednesday. Um, but, you know, fingers crossed that my body handles it better this time. We'll find out. But anyways, today's movie. I, uh, I haven't been doing that, like, watch the most popular things on my list thing. I just haven't been in the mood. So I was looking through my list, and I settled on, uh, Pusher 3 from 2005 by Nicholas Winding Refn. And because Pusher 2 has become one of the movies that I've thought about the most since watching it. And I think that's, it's mostly because the soundtrack for Pusher 2 is amazing. And there's like the main theme, so this like seven minute instrumental track called With Blood on My Hands, uh, that I have like listened to over and over. It's just such a perfect riff. Uh, yeah, like just really, it just pushes all like the right buttons for me <laughs> from like an instrumental song. Like it sounds kind of sad, but like hopeful at the same time. And there's like this like energy to it and some like, like pounding. It's, it's really good. If I, if I would have found it earlier, I would have made it the like theme song instead of that little snippet of bloodbath at the beginning, it would have been that. And I thought about changing it, but we're far enough into the year that I should just stick with it until we finish the year and we'll see what next year brings. But yeah, Pusher 2 I've thought about a lot. Probably second to Mr. Majestic. That movie's been on my mind a lot recently. Uh, anyways, so because of that, Pusher 3. And like the other two pushers, this is about this, um, like the criminal underground in Copenhagen and these people like pushing drugs, hence the name. And this time the focus is on Milo, who's like this old, uh, Serbian drug lord who was in the first two movies and he was always um I can see why they picked him from the first two movies because anytime he's in a scene this actor uh Zlatko Burke he's just he's very charismatic and like compelling like you just want to watch him he's just like he's like a big man not like fat really like a little bit of a paunch but like he's a big man like big nose like a joyous face and like he has this like deep voice and it kind of sounds like he's swallowing all those words I don't know how to like I'm not gonna try to do it but yeah I don't know he's just He's very compelling. And so this, we're watching him. It's his daughter's 25th birthday. He has to, like, organize the party. The movie starts out with him going to Narcotics Anonymous and saying that he's five days clean. But he's worried that the stress of this party will make him relapse. So he's dealing with that. But then he also is supposed to get a shipment of heroin. But hidden is not heroin. Instead, it's a bunch of ecstasy. So he has to deal with, like, trying to sell this ecstasy. But also dealing with the guy who sold him the heroin. And then, like, getting the right stuff from him. Because there's a mix-up with the cars or some shit. Which leads to him having to do, like, a favor for this guy. For this Albanian drug lord. And which leads to a whole, like, stressful rabbit hole of him having to do a favor for them. It's, like, something where he has to, like, facilitate a meetup to, like, for this Polish guy to, like, sell a girl to a brothel, but she's underage. It's all just very stressful, and he, like, breaks and relapses. <laughs> he ends up, like, killing two guys, and then he has to go to this guy, Radovan, who was in Pusher 1, who has gotten out of the game and has a pizza restaurant now, but Radovan was, like, his best friend, so he's, like, gonna help him get rid of the bodies. And there's this real long... It's, like, right at the end. There's one long scene of them, like, disposing of this Polish guy and, like, hanging him up and, like, cutting his neck open and, like, draining the blood and then, like, taking all his entrails out and, like, we show Milo, like, fucking pushing his entrails through, like, a... into a fucking incinerator, which, yes, 
did freak me out and just made me think about like, oh God, that's what our bodies are <laughs> just a bunch of fucking gross meat and someone could just cut me up and stuff me down a drain when I die. Uh, yeah, uh, it was fucked up. It's hard to watch. It's very, very gory. And then the movie just kind of ends with him, like, the next morning, looking, like, contemplatively at his, like, empty pool. No real conclusion on what happened with the drugs, if he's gonna get the money, what they're gonna do with the kid who, like, fucked him out of the money that I'm just now mentioning to you for the first time. Uh, and I get it. It's, like, a fine, like, ending. I get it. Like, they're just doing, like, a 24-hour in Milo's life. But, uh, yeah, just a little too inconclusive for my taste. So, yeah, it's... It's a good movie. It's a fun watch. Oh, well, fun is <laughs> not the right word. It's kind of a depressing and sad and stressful watch, but in a good way. Uh, so yeah, not as good as Pusher 2 for me, but definitely better than Pusher 1. Uh, probably because I actually care about Milo and I didn't really give a shit about, I think Frank was the guy in the first movie. Um, so yeah, uh, 3.5 stars for Pusher 3, which I think had the head the subtitle, I'm the Angel of Death. At least that was the subtitle on Canopy, but on Letterboxd uh, and Wikipedia, the title doesn't have that subheading. Anyways, fine movie. The Pusher Trilogy as a whole, worth watching. It's pretty good stuff. Uh, but if you have to pick one, just watch two. And that's it for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey guys. It is Monday. Um, didn't do much today besides watch today's movie, uh... Woke up early. It was weird because today's Monday and Dexter's done with his movie, so I didn't have to drive him to work. Uh, and then I I went and saw today's movie. I went and saw um, Eternals at the theater. Drove down to that Southgate Regal again so I could pay only six bucks for the early 11 o'clock showing. Uh, it was only like me and four other people in the theater. I sat in the back row again so that everyone would be breathing away from me. I still did. Uh, I got my popcorn and like I had my mask off to eat popcorn and to drink my icy. So, you know, more baby steps in my exposure therapy. Uh, man, speaking of popcorn though, like I got a small, I had points to get a free small popcorn and, uh, I like to put a lot of butter on my popcorn and like, I know it's gross cause it's just a bunch of oil here especially like this regal has like the 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 thing so you can like press the button yourself and whenever you give me the option to like have press the button myself like i go crazy with it like i'll do like all over the top and then like i'll try to like hit spots that are like look like holes that go like further down into the bucket so i can like make pockets of <laughs> oil like down um when i was doing it this time like one of the workers was because they were still like setting up they like weren't even like really open for the day and it looked like one of the managers was just watching me put butter on it which made me a little self-conscious and then at the end of the movie i felt really self-conscious when i went to like pick up my trash and like look around to see if there's any like popcorn kernels i can pick up i don't if i can it's not a hassle i don't like to be rude and leave a bunch of shit for them to sweep up <laughs> but this time when i went to pick up my bucket there was just like a ring of like popcorn butter on the ground then it like soaked through the bottom of my bucket and there were like three different rings on the ground from where I had like moved the bucket around I felt very gross <laughs> and like I wanted to like wipe it up myself I was like I, I can't they're just gonna have to bring a mop <laughs> oh man uh real gross but it tasted 
delicious. I love it. I'm not going to stop. Uh, anyways, I might as well get into the review. Didn't do much else after the movie. I came home, I like read some, and then I went and printed out the forms that we need tomorrow for our booster shot and picked up Panda Express for me and Dexter, and that took fucking forever. Even though I ordered it online before and I went into the restaurant five, ten minutes after they said it would be ready, I still had to like stand in there for ten minutes. They were slammed though, getting on the workers. They were very busy. Just, uh... <sighs> annoying i also went to a walmart after the movie today still can't find those cinnamon roll snickers but like this was the time i can't it still just baffles me how people just don't understand how to wear a mask still like we've been doing this for almost two years and like you still don't get it just so many like noses and fucking (laughs) people just not giving a fuck they're like one guy had his mask he had like a surgical mask he had it scrunched up to where it was just like a mustache like, it was under his nose and above his mouth. I was like, what What the fuck? Whatever. I don't feel like getting into that. I honestly don't even feel like <laughs> reviewing the movie. Even though I did like it, I'm just feeling very low energy right now. Eternals, 2021. Directed by Chloe Zhao. Um, written by a bunch of people. Uh, and this is fun. I enjoy it. But then again, I'm a sucker for all this superhero bullshit. And, like, these are, like, since they're, like, Jack Kirby, Jack Kirby's, like, space shit that this is based off of. These are, like, a step beyond superheroes and being, like, archetypal bullshit. Like, he basically just took mythological figures and then put his, like, crazy colors on them. And then that's what it is. It's just a bunch of, like, mythological beings, each with a different, like, power. And they're dealing with this crazy, like story of like how the universe works and like there's these celestials these giant beings that like make life and the eternals are dealing with their place in this like cycle of life and there's an eternal that's like inside of earth that's going to be birth like planets are like basically giant eggs i'm spoiling everything (laughs) like planets are like giant eggs when the eternals like find out that they've just been shepherding humanity or whatever like protecting humanity for like this egg to hatch so the eternal can like use all the energy whatever and there's also like deviants which i didn't like deviants are like these monsters that were attacking humans and that's why the eternals were put on earth is to protect humans from the deviants which i don't really like how they handle the deviants in like a broad sense because they changed it kind of a lot from the comics i don't know how much i want to bore and like my uh my understanding i haven't like read too many eternals i've read some but like i don't i haven't read the jack kirby stuff but basically in the comics celestials they did still make the internals and deviants but instead of being like eternals are like guardians against these beasts like eternals and deviants are both people like sentient beings they're like above humans or whatever and the eternals like made them to see how they would interact with each other and then i think the eternals ended up making humans something like that i can't quite remember in the eternal comics right now there's like a run of course because the movies are coming out that are actually pretty good but that's all about how like the earth is big machine and an engine and the eternals are a part of the machine that keep it running anyways (laughs) that's not the fucking movie so yeah it's this big crazy like story that's forgettable and it's so broad in scope that it's like kind of hard to even care about but it also like really freaks me out you know because it made me just think about the size and scope of the universe and how we'll never comprehend it but i really enjoyed the movie before like (laughs) the actors like i enjoyed like all the archetypal characters and i feel like they picked they casted this all pretty well i enjoyed watching all these actors like interact with each other like 
Jimmy Chan as Cersei. She's a little bland, but she's a good, like, audience conduit. Richard Madden is Icarus. He does a pretty good job of being, like, tortured Superman. Kumail as Kingo. Kumail Nanjiani. I enjoyed him. He was, like, one of the better parts in the movie. Uh... Especially his relationship with uh, Karan, who's like his valet, played by a Bollywood actor, Harish Patel. And uh, he's like been a, like Kingo has like been a Bollywood actor for like years, like playing his own family. Uh, And that's pretty cool, especially because I didn't know this in the Jack Kirby comics. Apparently Kingo, Kingo looks more like Japanese. And it's just kind of like a side throw thing. I heard this on a podcast. I haven't read it. Uh, But it's like a side thing that Kingo is Toshiro Mifune, (laughs) basically. Like somebody just like comments like, hey, that guy kind of looks like that guy from all the samurai movies. Uh, Which makes me want to go back and read those comics just so I can see that. How Jack Kirby drew him to resemble Mifune. Uh, Who else is in this? Sprite. Aaliyah McHugh. She's fine. Uh... Brian Tree Henry, fucking paperboy from Atlanta as Fastos. He's really good. I enjoyed him. He's the first uh, gay superhero in the MCU. That's nice. His, like, relationship with his husband and his son was really good. Druig, this, like, Irish dude. Barry Keoghan. He's fine. I really like this next, the next parent, fucking Don Lee as Gilgamesh and Angelina Jolie as Thena. Like, Thena, um, she's kind of, like being driven mad by something and Gilgamesh like watches over her for centuries and their relationship was cool I really liked uh how they played off of each other Selma Hayek as Ajax was cool like for the few times that she's in this and then fucking Jon Snow Kit Harington's in this and he's Dane Whitman and he's a really like kind of like minor character but he's playing the Black Knight who is a comic book character that I do really enjoy there's a good Black Knight miniseries a few months ago it's pretty good. I don't know. I know me <laughs> rambling through the cast is probably not the best endorsement or review for this movie, but I don't know. I have fun with this. I'm a sucker for this bullshit. And especially since it's all characters I kind of know from comics, it's funny how how much that like short circuits the uh the like emotional response that I have to movies and things cuz like everything made me emotional in this movie. It also might have been just cuz I was in a theater by myself and like I knew nobody was looking at me. But like everything like made me tear up and get choked up. And I just it was it's a fine movie. It's a solid for an MCU movie. It's more of the same bullshit and if that's what you like it's what you like so four stars from me made me uh and it made me like excited for where the mcu's going here's a i'll i'll spoil one of the after credits things skip forward a couple minutes if you really care if you're listening to this and you still care um it's not even like doesn't even hinge on the movie at all so at the end dane whitman john snow is uh he's like opening up a box and he's getting the ebony blade and he's like about to touch it and your voice from like off screen that asked him like are you sure you're ready for this or ready for that or whatever or something and i had to look up who the voice was because i couldn't place it and it was fucking uh mahershala ali as a uh, blade and i am so excited for a new blade movie i think mahershala ali is gonna be great he's gonna fucking kill it he got wesley snipes blessing <laughs> and on twitter and that was pretty cool um yeah maybe that's most of why i like it why I like this. I'm just, no, I enjoyed the movie, but I'm just so, just so ready to see how they do Blade. I feel like they're not, I feel like Marshall Lee is a very good choice, and this movie was PG-13. Hopefully they at least make Blade PG-13. Yeah. And if Kit Harrington's gonna be in it as fucking Black Knight, that's a weird wrench to throw into Blade, but that's pretty cool. Anyways, I rambled enough today. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey guys. It is Wednesday. I don't know. Tuesday, 
We went and got our booster shots this morning. Went well, smoothly. We just went to Vaughn's. Uh, my arm just feels slightly bruised. It doesn't like ache. I feel okay. I'm trying to like pound water and like take in calories when I feel like I need it because I'm really, I'm just really hoping that I don't get sick like I did last time. Uh, but so far it seems good. So yeah, we did that and then I haven't said this in a while. We drove to Barnes and Noble so Dexter could get some manga. Uh, we actually ended up driving to two because the first one didn't have it and the other one was by uh, my comic book shop because I went to Mega City today, pick up my books for this week. Though they, they're having like a shipment issue. I wasn't able to get my Marvel or indie stuff. Only the DC stuff came in. So there's like a bunch of, like there's a supply chain issues that are like affecting everyone. But like comic books are like in a weird place. Like the pandemic is like throwing a bunch of wrenches and they're like production and DC splitting from Diamond and the regular production. And Marvel now distributes the Diamond and random house but random house doesn't take care of the comics like they don't know because they haven't been shipping them so a lot of shops don't like it because the books get damaged and shit uh and then there's also like all the paper shortages and stuff now so a lot of books are getting delayed uh it's a fun time so we'll see may might use this i asked like the guy like what was up with the books today and he like he was like honestly just get them somewhere else but like they're the marvel books this week aren't any i'm like fiending to get so Maybe if me and Dexter feeling up to it, we'll go to Pulp Fiction tomorrow. We'll see. Anyways, uh, today's movie. I, like, didn't even really want to watch a movie today. It was, like, hard for me to pick one. Because, and also, like, since I don't have a system for choosing any right now, I just kind of, like, stare at this list of 240 movies and just, like, my eyes glaze over. It's also, like, since we're getting to the end, it feels weird, uh... Like, today's movie was movie number 341, and technically, I only need to watch 365 movies to, like, hit my goal and be done with this challenge. But I did say watch a movie every day this year, which is different. Like, I, it wouldn't be within the spirit, I don't think, to, like, stop early. But for uh, December, obviously, I'm going to be watching a lot of Christmas movies, and I don't, intellectually, I'm not really going to count the Christmas movies. Like, I'll still count them in the list and give them a number in the like twitter thread <laughs> that i'm using to follow this but um so like those don't really count so the year so i need to pick like 24 i should go through my list and pick out like 24 movies that i feel like i need to watch before this challenge ends because with the amount of days left that aren't christmas days it should equal out to where i can watch 24 more movies though also the way i have the christmas challenge i'm gonna like not make myself only watch christmas movies but mostly that's what it's gonna be so get ready for that uh in a couple weeks Hope you like shitty uh, Christmas rom-coms because that's what I'm going to try and focus on is like all the weird shit that's on Tubi and Pluto and Netflix. I wonder, I don't know if there's a Christmas Prince sequel this year. I hope there is. I don't think there is though. There's that Lindsay Lohan one. I got to watch that, of course. Anyways, today's movie. <laughs> I kind of picked it because it was short. I watched Willie's Wonderland from, came out this year. Uh directed by Kevin Lewis and is written by G.O. Parsons and starring Nick Cage as a guy who has zero lines and uh, if you've seen the poster for this movie or any of those, you get what it is. He goes to a place that's like Chuck E. Cheese, but the animatronics come to life and kill people. He's a, uh, he like drives through this town in his nice car, his tires get popped and this guy comes to like help him and he since he doesn't have money and or he doesn't take card and their ATM doesn't work, he's like, gets an offer to work off the, the money for his 
tires and uh so they bring him to this place willie's wonderland where this guy tex mcadoo great name uh says if you clean up here the whole night in the morning your car will be ready and you can leave without paying and so they trap him in there he's cleaning he has this weird nicholas cage has this weird thing where he has to drink a soda and play pinball every hour and the animatronics in the place like i said come to life because a bunch of serial killers did a satanic ritual to put their spirits inside these animatronics and they must feed on like one person a year or whatever the fuck to keep them from like attacking the town it's ridiculous it's stupid there's a group of teenagers who like come in and like they're determined to like end the cycle and burn the building down and kill all the animatronics so that people don't live but of course they get in there and they all die except for one uh whatever it's a stupid but it's fun it's a fun watch it looks good for the most part it does have like some parts like it definitely looks like one of those indie movies that is where in order in like in trying to look good like a like a real movie they end up like kind of missing the mark and landing in almost like soap opera territory you know what i mean not quite something like that but there's cool action Nick watching Nick Cage fight all of these uh, animatronics is fun. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's not really much else to say about it. So, uh, Willy's Wonderland, uh, 3.5 stars. Probably more of a three, but since I appreciate it being like actually fun, we'll give it. We'll bump it up to 3.5. I'm feeling. I'm feeling nice today. <laughs> oh yeah, that's it for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey guys. It is Wednesday, and uh, today was an okay day. Boring. We just stayed in. I didn't feel bad at all from the booster shot. Completely handled it. No headache, no nothing. It was great. Just my arm feels slightly bruised, but that's fine. Much better than (laughs) fucking 15 hours of throwing up like I had after the second shot. So yeah, me and Dexter just kind of like, we watched, we caught up on Doom Patrol. Today we finished the third season, which is good. Maybe not as good as the first two seasons, but still pretty good. They leaned into, like, the wacky Grant Morrison stuff a little bit more. Maybe that's why I didn't care for, like, the jumping around. But the character stuff was good. There was, like, a therapy episode, which was really good. It was cool to see Brendan Fraser uh, yell at himself as a robot, like, yelling what the fuck back and forth between himself and his robot self. That's that's fun. And then we watched the final, the last two episodes of the What If marvel cartoon uh and that was fun too the last those last two episodes are just complete wacky uh comic book fighting bullshit with characters that are way too powerful and it's fun uh yeah i only left the house to like go for a walk i picked up some books from the library uh yeah that's about it for and then movies uh i did like go through my watch list and i like separated out some movies that i feel like i need to watch or that i would like to before the year end and i like went through and saw like which ones are available on streaming and like which ones i would need uh the dvd of or that the library had the dvd so i placed a bunch of holds uh which might cause a problem because i'm gonna get a bunch of i might get a bunch of dvds at the same time and they all have to be returned in like four days whatever we'll cross that bridge when we get to it but it's funny i did all that sorting and picking out these movies and then today's movie i didn't even watch one of those i was looking on like your google tv homepage they have like uh the top row is like stuff google rep- recommends to you and so i watched from that and i watched uh martin scorsese's mean streets from 1973 it's like i don't know it just looked interesting i feel like this is a scorsese movie that i haven't heard people really talk about much and uh just because you know it's older it's his i think his first like studio movie 
our first movie that was like distributed by a studio maybe uh and it's it's pretty good it's a uh it definitely feels like a first movie <laughs> like i actually had the thought uh this feels like scorsese's clerks which is kind of right because it is apparently based off of his like actual experiences growing up in little 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 uh little italy and uh and yeah it's kind of like a little mobster movie we got harvey a young harvey cart uh jesus i can't speak today we got a young harvey keitel uh playing this kind of like low-level mobster guy his uncle is a higher up a big like the boss named giovanni uh harvey play, harvey's playing a character named charlie and then we got robert de niro playing his kind of like no good scumbag friend johnny boy who like owes money to all the lo- loan sharks and I think Robert De Niro's character is, like, the most annoying person on the planet. Uh, like, almost not even fun. He's just kind of a dumbass, you know? Just constantly, like, picking fights with people. Uh, but whatever. It's a good character. And so, yeah, we're watching, like, them and a couple other, uh, like, other friends who, like, run this bar. And it's just kind of like a weird slice of life movie. We're just following these, uh, all these idiots around as they do stupid shit. And there's a bunch of, like, shots of New York and stuff. It feels like a very New York movie. Like, you can definitely feel, like, Scorsese's, like, lived experience in this. Which was surprising to me when I was reading the information that this was filmed in like 29 28 days and only six of those days were in new york the uh the rest were all in la uh it's genuinely shocking this feels very new york so they did a did a good job with that and yeah then it's like mostly kind of like bouncing around no real like driving compelling story we're just like watching these guys and it ends up the plot eventually like comes to a head with like a fight a big conflict between de niro in this guy that he owes money to and Harvey Keitel trying to play like the middleman but like overall a pretty fun watch it's cool to see like even though this feels very sloppy it like is it's sloppy in like a mostly charming way and it is cool like you can see like how Scorsese becomes the like director he is now in this movie like you can feel the all the seeds planting in like the trajectory whatever um so yeah, Mean Streets, uh, 3.5 stars. All right, and that's it for today. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, hey guys. Thursday, last day of our week. It's late. It's like 1.20. Uh, my schedule's all fucked up because like, I woke up like normal, you know, read a little bit, and then I decided to walk to Target, which is like a probably like a two-mile round-trip walk. And then I got back and took a nap because I was just so wiped out from the walk and I woke up from a nap with a headache so I don't know maybe it's (laughs) maybe I overworked myself maybe this is a delayed reaction of my body processing the booster shot who knows but this headache is annoying um and yeah I just didn't get it so I was like slow to start today's movie and uh and all that but uh but yeah we'll just get into it then I watched uh I picked from my movies that I like went through my list and like the ones that I felt like I needed to watch uh and I watched Find Me Guilty from 2006 uh made by Sidney Lumet Lumet who I watched one of his movies or way earlier this year before The Devil Knows You're Dead but he also did like 12 Angry Men uh and I guess I need to watch more of this dude's movies because I'm fucking I love this so like this is on my watch list like kind of as a joke because it stars Vin Diesel and it's on Tubi 
which are like two things, especially in uh, the main Discord I'm in and my main Discord friends like those two big jokes. But there's like sincere jokes that were into Tubi and Vin Diesel. But anyways, uh, but yeah, Vin Diesel is a goddamn delight. Every second that he's on screen in this movie, he's so good. <laughs> like this is one of my favorite performances of all time. I'm not. I'm not kidding. Well, one bit. I'm being completely sincere. So this movie's about. It's a true story of this uh, kind of low level, but not like the lowest level mafia guy, Jackie Denorcio. He's a member of a New Jersey mafia family, and him and like 20 other guys all get wrapped up in this case uh, with a conspiracy charge. And so the whole this whole movie is about their trial with all these guys getting tried at the same time. And it, this is like the longest criminal court case in American history. And our main guy, Jackie Vin, he, uh, he was already in jail for like a drug bust and they tried to like get him to turn on his friends, but he said no, cause he doesn't rat and he'll never rat. And he decides cause his lawyer who got him into jail for the dope charge, uh, sucked. He decides to represent himself in this case. And that's what we're watching is him representing himself. Uh, most of the courtroom dialogue in this is all like from the actual case, uh, which is amazing because it's all great dialogue and it's all performed <laughs> very well, especially by Ven. Uh, yeah, it's just, this is like one of the most enjoyable and compelling movies that I've watched this whole year. Just Vin Diesel really makes you care about this guy who I'm sure in real life was an absolute scumbag and I would hate him. <laughs> but uh, it's just, Vin does such a good job. And like most of the cast is good too. Peter Dinklage is in this. He plays one of the other lawyers from the mafia who like comes to like respect Vin and is like worried about him at first, but he like respects his approach. He's good. The judge I really liked, uh, played by Ron Silver. He was he was great. He like was first kind of like in disbelief with Vin, and then around he like comes around to like you can tell he like starts to respect him too. That's yes, that's the general <laughs> arc of side characters in this movie. <laughs> the like prosecutor uh fuck what's his name uh linus roche plays sam kearney sam alito like supreme court judge alito weird uh didn't know that <laughs> did do a good job of like making you hate him which is a problem with all of these mob movies is that they really romanticize people in the mob and like make you like them when you know you really shouldn't they all suck but i don't know it's just it's just a really fucking fun watch i, I cried multiple times like fucking there's a part in the middle of the trial where like the judge learns that like uh jackie jackie's mom has died and so vin has to like rsa like brings them into the uh side chamber and give them the news and vin's like performance of him handling that news fantastic uh yeah yeah fucking hard to find more words for this because i just this is just really good so wild like such a long case and like imagine being on the jury imagine being on the jury for that long for fucking almost two years i've never done jury duty i've always kind of wanted to do it but i've never been called to it i think i got like a jury summons in hawaii like sometime over the past year but uh obviously i'm not there anymore so i can't fucking do it but yeah never even called to a jury here do you get paid when you're in the jury i don't know all the breaks during two b i was like looking at jobs i finally decided to just look at instead of just looking at the government jobs website i looked at indeed of like the general jobs 
available in the area. And like, of course, they like base off your resume. So they just kind of push jobs that fall into your experience. And just, man, I just don't want to fucking go to work. Apparently, they're hiring janitors at the Erewhon down the street, the like real fancy uh, grocery store that I can't even, I couldn't even bring myself to walk into because it seems so pretentious. Uh, but hey, it could be a good place to be a janitor. Probably decent pay, benefits, discount on rich ass uh, vegan food. Might be worth it. Who knows? I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Fucking, um, so yeah, Find Me Guilty, 2006, uh, five stars. Seriously, like, the, I love this. Like, it's on Tubi, it's on all the free, uh, services, so you can, you should go watch this when you can. I'm gonna fucking buy a DVD of this just to have, just in case, you know, and I might take it off, but for now, it's on Tubi and Pluto and probably a few other free services, so go watch it. And with that, that's it for this week of Consume. Uh, thank you for listening. Again, I've been Bert and Olivier, at Birdzor on everything. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or recommendations for the short time that I have left in this year for this challenge, uh, yeah, and with that, it's time I disappear.